Good evening. So how many were not here this morning? That's what I thought. Um, Okay, it's so important that you get all four sessions because you have to understand all, all four elements to really walk consistently in healing or for that matter in anything that God has promised us. So I can do a super quick review, but I don't want to take too much time because we have a lot tonight. But it is very, very clear from Scripture that God wants us walking in health. Jesus did only what the Father told him to do. The Father showed him, and Jesus did it. The Father told him, and Jesus said it. And Jesus was only healing. He never made anyone sick. He never refused anyone healing. He was always healing all those people who came in faith, ready to receive. They were all healed. And that is still the will of the Father. He's not changed. With him, there's no variableness, no shadow of turning. So he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It is still God's will for us to walk in health. And for me, that was a huge revelation because I had suffered extreme back pain for 17 and a half years. The doctors had given up. They said, there's no hope. You'll be bedridden, and I was. And so in the world, there was no way to get out of that, for that to change, but It's not even what God's word said. I was told I was to suffer for his glory, but that is not scriptural. The only suffering we're to do for God is for our faith, not in our body, physical ailments. The devil is the one who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He is the one attacking us. And it says very clearly that Jesus was freeing all those people from oppression of the devil. And it was for this purpose that he was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So it's very important. It's a lot easier to be healed when you know that it's not God that's put it on you. So the second session was on our thoughts. And that's what these diagrams are about. Our thoughts are so, so important. I can't even stress it enough. Because you are going to follow the path of your thoughts. Your life is going to follow the path of your thoughts. How you see yourself, how you see God, how you understand his word. So it's really important to get your thoughts aligned with God's. And what this is showing is when Christ came to redeem us and he made us alive in Christ, our spirit man became alive, is now one together with God's. And so our spirit man is supposed to be ruling over the natural mind, will, emotions, the soul, and the natural body. So when things come, attacks come, we are not supposed to go by what our body is telling us or what we have learned, what our mind, what we've experienced, but what does the word say? Because too often when we get a report from the doctor, we think of all the examples that we've known of with that same issue. And we go through all the things of what could be and how long it's going to take and is there any hope. But that's thinking naturally. And our body speaks very loudly. We listen closely to our bodies. But the key is, what has God said? We now have the mind of Christ Our spiritual mind is awakened. It says we have the mind of the spirit. And so our spirit man was made alive and we have a mind of Christ. So now when attacks come, we are to respond spiritually. What has God said in his word? By the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. I'm already healed. So when this attack comes, 
I can recognize something's going on, something's not right, but it doesn't have to stay. And so I can respond spiritually according to God's word and stand for he's already healed me, so this can't stay in my body. So that's a super quick review. (laughs) And because for me, there are four very, very important elements for us to understand. And the first one is knowing what God's will is. If you get sick or you're lacking finances or whatever it might be, and you don't know what God's will for your life is, then you're not going to have a firm conviction to stand in faith. Because if you say, well, God might heal me, I know he can, but I don't know if he will. But his word said by the stripes, Jesus, I'm healed, but I don't know. Well, you're wavering. Where is your faith? Where is your firm persuasion? It's not in either one. So you have to know what the word says, and then you can stand firmly on that. So our thoughts then go into our words. are also very, very important. We have to know what God's will is. We have to understand how very, very important our thoughts are. We have to understand the importance of our words, and we have to know that we have Christ's authority, that when we speak, it says if he is speaking. So those are the four elements, the four sessions that we're doing, because we have to understand all four of those areas if we're really going to walk consistently, successfully in the victory that Christ has prepared for us. Does that make sense? So if you didn't hear the first two, I would highly recommend you do that. So this, oh, before I forget, um, I gave my testimony this morning, and I had asked God, why was I healed now and not during those 17 and a half years? And after he had healed me, I was asking this, so he said, start studying the Gospels and see how Jesus healed. And I saw verse after verse after verse after verse that I'd never even noticed before. And after many years of sharing these verses with people and printing off the verses that I was getting, he told me to put it into a book to make it available to people. So that's what this book is back there. It's a compilation of all these verses that I just kept seeing that talk about not only what God's will really is, but also ones on our thoughts on our words, and on our authority, because they all play together. So that's what that is. And I only brought a very small sampling of different teachings, but I printed out um, sheets that give you a little explanation of what different ones are, if you're at all interested, want some further information. Um, There are order forms there that you could then take home and place an order if you want. So that's what that's about. These probably cost you less than your copay and may make it so that you never have to do the copay again. (laughs) So our thoughts or the thoughts that you entertain and the words that you speak are going to determine the path that your life takes. So that's why we have to always be watching our thoughts and being careful with our words. Because you know that we talk very freely, we give our opinions, we say things, and it's not always what we should be saying, because it's not always going to agree with God's word. So when we were born again, we were born into a new kingdom with a new father, and now we are to handle things differently. We are to speak like God speaks, and not just from the natural, what is my body telling me? We're to speak what God would speak, because otherwise we're going to be double-minded. Now, as human beings, we're always going to have the natural thoughts, but we also, with the mind of Christ, have spiritual thoughts. 
So we're always making the decision, which ones am I going to choose? Am I going to listen to the natural thoughts or to the God thoughts? And what am I going to speak? The natural thoughts or the God thoughts? But we're always choosing. And that's why the more we know the word, the more we renew that spiritual mind, the more we're going to be in agreement with God. Because God, Jesus, says in Romans 4, 17, that God calls things that are not so that they are. Some versions say as though they were. There are other versions that say so that they are. He said light be, firmament be. He was calling it forth. And we'll go a little bit more into that. But we tend to talk the problem instead of the word, the promises, what God has said. And we're made in his image, so we should do that. James chapter 3, verse 6 says, And the tongue is a fire. It is the power of evil placed in our bodies, making all the body unclean, putting the wheel of life on fire and getting its fire from hell. That's pretty strong. That's what our tongues, that's the power of our tongues. So your words can bring the supernatural goodness of God into your life, or your words can just be in agreement with the enemy and be confirming all the junk that's going on. So just like our thoughts are seeds, as you think on something, it magnifies and grows. Think of some, maybe an insult. The more you think on it, the worse it gets, the bigger it gets, until you don't even want to look at that person. Well, it's the same way if we will think on God's word and on God, the more we think on that, it magnifies. So it's like a seed that's being planted, and our words are the same way. Our words are seeds. Maybe some of you can even remember something that was said to you years ago, maybe even in, in grade school. It was either an encouragement or a put down, and sometimes that'll just keep coming up. It's a seed that gets planted. And that's why we want to be careful what we're speaking because we're planting seeds. And our words are going to create just like God's. Because what I hear happen is that people will be planting or saying that they want healing, but they're not really thinking that, talking it, expecting it. But even in the natural, if you were to plant tomato seeds, then you're not going to expect to harvest corn. I think I have a picture for you. Yep. (laughs) So if you're wanting healing, you're going to have to be speaking healing and not the problem because you're going to reap what you've been sowing. So just like in the natural, plant what you expect to be harvesting. So keep planting the healing if that's what you want to be harvesting. Because I have here, for example, some cow seeds that were given to me. They're actually lima beans painted like cows, but they're instructions for starting your own herd. You plant the seeds in a warm spot, right side up. Otherwise, the cows will grow upside down. Be patient. It takes a long time to start your own herd. For best results, moo softly while watering. We know I'm not going to get cows if I plant these. It's what's on the inside that's going to matter. It's the heart of the seed that is going to produce, not the outer coating. So we can't sugarcoat with a little bit of faith our doubt and unbelief and think that we're going to harvest that, we're going to harvest what's really on the inside. What is in the heart? That's what you're going to be planting and harvesting. 
So you can't be speaking to the carnal realm, agreeing with the devil and what he's doing. You have to be speaking what God has said. By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. You need to declare that out and believe it. But then not turn around and, oh, my back. Oh, it's so bad. Because now you're wavering again. Your mouth is speaking your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we want to be working here on the heart so that what we're planting is good seed and we're actually getting the crop that we're expecting to get. Do you have a picture there of an iceberg? That was a surprise. Turn around and see the cow. (laughs) This is this picture of the iceberg I like because it's very much what's happening. Sometimes people on the surface to other people will say, oh yes, I'm healed, I'm standing, but on the inside is a whole different story. They're not really expecting it, they're in doubt and unbelief. So we just want to make sure that that is all the same, that we really are believing it and then we're speaking that out of our mouths. So we can't sow to the devil's kingdom and expect to be reaping from God's kingdom. So we need to speak out what we believe, not just think it. Speak it out, because our words are going out into the spiritual realm. And with our words, you are either enabling God to work on your behalf, or you're enabling the enemy to work on your behalf. Who are you going to agree with? Your words are going into the spiritual realm, and they're being heard, and you're giving someone permission to work for you, to work on your behalf. And that's why our words are so important. When God said, light be, firmament be, that the word be means to bring into existence. He's calling it into existence. And if we're just talking the problem, the sickness, the symptoms, the doctor's report, all we're doing is calling it into existence. We're making it worse. We're not benefiting ourselves. If we will take instead, <clears throat> excuse me, the word of God and be declaring that out, then what we're doing spiritually is telling the demonic realm, I am not in agreement with what you are doing. I'm in agreement with God. So you're shutting him down. But if all you're talking is the problem, you're saying to the enemy, I am in full agreement with you. You just keep doing it because I agree with you. I feel this. I can tell you're doing it. And I agree. Well, we don't want to agree with the enemy. That's why our words are important, and we have to recognize that and then say, okay, I feel this, I know something's going on, but it's not going to stay. God, this is what you have said. And what I always recommend is just ask the Father, how should you respond? We don't want to have a pat answer, a pat prayer, a pat response, even if you pray a lot for other people. Don't always do the same thing. Because Jesus wasn't doing the same thing all the time. He did what the Father showed him to do. So that's what we need to do. Even if it's a migraine after migraine after migraine, don't treat it the same way every time. Ask God, how do you want me to deal with it this time? And then you'll see the success. Because otherwise we're leaning on our own understanding and taking over the reins. Let's let God be God. Know that he wants us healed but then allow him to tell us how he wants us to administer that. To me, that's very important. So instead of speaking about the problem, speak to the problem. Jesus didn't talk about the problem. Before he healed people, he didn't talk about how awful it was that they were suffering this. 
He just spoke to it. He said, ears be opened, eyes be opened. He called it forth so that it was. So with our mouths, we can call forth the things of God so that they are. Is this making sense? So speak it out boldly, too. Believe it and speak it. There was a man in the Philippines that came up for prayer, and he was so weak. He just was hanging, and he said, I'm so weak. So I had him put God's word in his mouth, and I said, I want you to say, I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And he just barely whispered it. So I said, say it again. And he said it again, and each time it got a little bit louder. So I said, I want you to continue saying that, but believe what you're saying, and I'm going to pray for other people. And about 10 minutes later, he comes walking up. He says, oh, I feel so strong. It's the word of God that's alive and powerful. If we'll put it in our mouths, it makes a difference. Our bodies respond, because then we're letting the spirit man rule over the flesh. This is why we have to know the word of God and why we want to renew our minds so that we're thinking like God does. Because otherwise our focus goes totally to the problem. Every, any of you ever had a pain? Where does your mind go? To the pain. <laughs> so we have to work on this. The woman with the issue of blood said, if I could only touch his garment, I will be made whole. She's calling it forth into existence. And she got exactly what she said. And there are a lot of different verses. We can't cover them all, but there are a lot of verses that talk about speaking to the mountain or speaking things out. Remember when Jesus cursed the fig tree? He was speaking to that, the words, in that case, words of death. Too often we're speaking words of death to ourselves. We have good friends, and they had a tree out in their yard, and the husband said, the tree's dead, I'm going to pull it out. And the wife said, no, I don't think it is dead. I want you to leave it. So they had this little argument, and they said, okay, you speak to your half of the tree, and I'm speaking to my half of the tree. So he was speaking death to his half, and she was speaking life to her half. And in the spring, that tree, the lady's half, was green and full of leaves and lush, and his half was dead. This is the power of our words. We need to understand that our words carry great power because they're going into the spiritual realm, and we're spirit beings. We're declaring things. We're calling things forth with our mouths. That's why we have to be careful what we're saying to children, to our grandchildren, to our family, because those words have power, and we're calling things forth. Things like, oh, you're never going to amount to anything, or you always such and such. You're decreeing it. You're calling it forth. So you want to make some adjustments, possibly, depending on how you talk. But we have to use our words wisely because they carry authority and power. Isaiah fifty-five eleven, So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, which means having no effect. But it will co- accomplish what I please and prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. That means when you agree with God and say, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. That word does not go to him without having an effect. It's going to accomplish exactly that in your life. That's why speaking the negative, the sickness, the problems, has the opposite effect. The enemy says, oh good, they agree with me. And he's just accomplishing that in our life. So if we put God's word in our mouth, God is accomplishing that in our lives. We speak, he does the work. 
It's easier than we've made it to be. (laughs) So with this creative power of our mouths, we are calling things forth into existence. This is very important, because I hear people say things all the time that they really don't want to be saying because they're in total agreement with the enemy, and they don't realize it. Every time you are confessing, agreeing with the enemy, you are giving him dominion over you in that area. And that's why this is so important. You're giving him, or let's say you're empowering him to have that dominion in that area over you. And you don't want that. You don't want to give the enemy any place. But if you give God his word, then you're empowering him, releasing him to accomplish that word in your life. The Amplified for Hebrews 4, 7 says, For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. You put God's word in your mouth, and it's going to be operative, active, energizing, just like with that man, I'm strong in the Lord. It was, being, it was operating in his life energizing him. For example, there was a pastor in the Philippines that was translating for me, and he was so interested in the message, he was just taking everything in. And I noticed he stopped translating. He was just listening for him. So I had to stop and say, would you mind telling the people <laughs> what I just said? And so it's kind of like, okay. And he, he gave them the, the message. He translated what I was saying, but then he was back listening intently. Now, beforehand, that happened twice that I had to stop and say, would you mind telling them what I'm saying? Because he had said that he had probable appendicitis. He was in great pain, and after the meetings, he was going to be going to the doctors. And so he was hoping for prayer afterwards. Well, after he did all this translation, putting God's word in his mouth, even though it was a translation, he was still putting God's word in his mouth, he didn't come up for prayer. So I asked him if he still wanted prayer, and he said, no, I'm completely healed. Just because he was translating. The power of God's word is huge. And we sometimes take it lightly and quote things kind of off the cuff. But really believe what you're saying and understand these words have power. I am decreeing something right now. I am declaring this so that it is. So God's word is alive and full of power, but so is yours. You are releasing that into the earth. There's a spirit of faith. There's doubt. There's unbelief. But when you are speaking faith, you're releasing a spirit of faith. Spirit of truth. So it's big. It's important. So you don't want to give the enemy power over you in any way. And that's why watching thoughts, because he gives us thoughts all the time. We get thoughts. Don't empower him. Don't let him have that. The words of Jesus, the words of the Bible are alive. Your words are alive. Demonic spirits are alive. So are sicknesses alive. Doctors try to kill cancer because it is living. You get antibiotics to kill bad bacteria. These things are alive, but so are God's words in your mouth, and they are much more powerful. So when there's something going on in your body, when you will put God's word in your mouth and speak that out, that is alive and powerful and is going to have an effect on that sickness, on those symptoms. 
And this is why we don't have to be afraid of things like the virus going around. We don't have to live in fear. We can just know it's not coming near me. You declare that out and you're calling it into existence. But if all you do is talk the problem, like, oh, I always get the flu, I'll probably get this one too. Well, you're just making yourself a big target for the enemy and saying, here I am, I'm ready. Because you're now enabling him, you're empowering him with your words. I believe that our voices are one of the most powerful tools on the earth that God has because of what we can accomplish with our words. That's why prayer is important. That's why we are to pray so that God can heal our land. Our words are powerful. The Bible says that God and his word are one. That means when we are speaking contrary to God's word, we're speaking contrary to him. And we don't want to put ourselves in that position either. We always want to agree with God. He's the almighty one. He knows it all. So we don't want to just take simple little circumstances, start declaring that, agreeing with that, and come against God. We want to agree with him. And we want to enable God, not the enemy. But we choose. So one of the most powerful verses, I think, in the Bible on our words is Proverbs 18, verse 21. But I'll also read verse 20. It says, A man shall be filled with the fruit of his mouth, And with the consequence of his words, he must be satisfied. And Amplified adds, whether good or evil. So you are experiencing the consequences of your words. And then verse 21, or you could say the harvest of your words. Verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's huge. Death and life. So it's not just, oh, I said something. No, we really are declaring things. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love, who love it... Um, do I have a typo? And those who love... Oh, what the tongue speaks will eat its fruit. I changed the version. We're going to eat the fruit of our lips. So what are we saying? That's why it's so important to watch what we're saying, because we're going to eat that fruit. There was a gentleman, my neighbor brought over, a young man, I think it was 19, that had throat cancer. He was dying of throat cancer. And it was in all through his neck, his throat, his shoulder, and he was in a lot of pain. He had actually been born dead, had died two more times, and this was now killing him. The enemy obviously did not want him in the earth. But um, I was telling him, about some of these different concepts. And when I, and as I was giving him the truth, the word, he said, the pain's leaving, the pain's leaving. Just getting that truth in. That's why it's so important that we're getting the truth. But then when I gave him this verse, Proverbs eighteen twenty one, death and life are in the power of the tongue, he gasped and said, I have been saying all my life that I would die of throat cancer. He'd never connected it. Why he would say that, I don't know. But he was pronouncing that over himself for years, that he would die of throat cancer, and that's exactly what he had and what was happening. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's why I say words are more important than we've made them to be. So for me, I like to see it like this. We know there are two spiritual realms. It says that we're going to eat the fruit of our lips. So it's like having two spiritual banqueting tables. And every time you open your mouth, you're choosing which table to eat from. So you can choose from God's table, 
where there's life, peace, joy, health, love, or you can choose from the enemy's table where there's all sorts of wickedness, sickness, depression, oppression, all the things we don't want. When you open your mouth, you spiritually are eating from one of those two tables because you're eating the fruit of your lips and experiencing the consequences thereof. So you can choose. Do you want the savory things of God or the compost of the enemy? Do you want all the good things of God or do you want just this poison that the enemy has prepared for us? Because he's out to steal, kill, and destroy. So what do you want? Your words are determining which table you eat from. I can give you a tip, eat from God's. It's a much better table. So you have the power in your own tongue to change the course of your life. This is the way God set it up. It's pretty amazing. Between our thoughts and the authority we have, our words, it's astounding the power that we have been given. And we just kind of walk through life and let things happen. But we need to take this seriously. Now, a lot of people teach that God is sovereign, which he is. But when saying that, they mean that everything that happens to you is God's will. But it's not the case. There are a lot of ifs in the Bible. If you do this, then this. And if we're speaking things contrary to God, then that's the path we're going to take. It isn't God's choice. We're making the choice. So everything that happens to you is not happening just because God wanted it. We have a lot to do with it. With the choices we make, the words we speak, the thoughts we're having, the expectation, our faith in him, we are determining. Or they say, everything happens for a reason. Yes, but not like they mean. (laughs) It's happening because we have a role to play. So if things are going all haywire, we just need to make the adjustments. Start changing things. So we're going to choose. Are we going to go God's way or the devil's? And because your words carry power, it's really important, not only how you're speaking to the people around you, your children, your grandchildren, but it's important how you're speaking about other places or other churches, other pastors, your own pastor, because your words are carrying power. And when they're negative words, you are actually sending demonic powers to go do what you're saying, because you are declaring, just like God said, light be, you're doing that same thing. And you don't want to be held responsible for that. So go to God, repent, say, okay, cancel all that out. I don't have scripture for that, but that's what I did when I started really realizing how important it is. So anyway, we're going to decide which kingdom we want working on our behalf, on the behalf of our church, on the behalf of our families, our children. We make that decision. And even if things don't look very good in a family, you can still be calling forth what is supposed to be, what agrees with God. Call that forth, call that forth, and then see the changes start taking place. Because if we could just keep talking their problems, it's not going to help it. So you're not hurting anything. You might as well start calling forth those things God would want. Hebrews chapter uh, 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. That's your expectation your confidence, without wavering, for he that promised is faithful. Proverbs 16, verse 23, the heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. So we really want to watch the tongue. James chapter 1, verse 26, 
If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless, which also means profitless. You get nothing out of it. One time when I went to Kenya, I took a friend of mine, and she knows the word, and she knows God's will for healing. She knew it long before I ever did. And so her response really surprised me. We woke up one morning, and we were both very sick. So I just took authority over it, and I was perfectly fine, went out and ministered all day long, but she kept talking the problem. Her mouth was agreeing with what was going on. So she stayed home sick. We got in that evening, she was still sick. And the next morning, woke up, and we were both sick again. Again, I just dealt with it. I was perfectly fine, went out and ministered all day long, came home, and she was still talking the problem. And I thought, what are you doing? You know better than this. And she was saying, I'm sure it's malaria. All the symptoms are malaria. I'm sure I have malaria. And remember that girl when we were in the juvenile jail that had malaria and was coughing on us? I'm sure that's where I got it. And I thought, she's calling it forth so that it is instead of coming against it. And so she wanted to go to the infirmary. Sure enough, she had malaria. See, our mouths are important. We can't keep agreeing with the sickness because then she would talk about healing and pray for healing, but her mouth, her thoughts, her expectation were malaria. It wasn't the healing. It's that iceberg. Underneath was malaria, and only on the top was a little bit of faith. So she was trusting the sickness rather than God. And this is also why our confessions have to have our faith behind them, so that they're not just vain, idle, useless words. Because they carry power, put your conviction behind it. If this is what you want to see come to pass, then say it with boldness and be confident. Want to say it with persuasion. And just as kind of a side note, I think there's value in not laying claim to a sickness by calling it my cancer, my diabetes, my bad back, or my, you know, whatever the doctor says, because there's a mindset connected with it. It's a, a, a pre- um, pronoun of possession. You are possessing that. You've taken hold of it, accepted it, made it your own. So you're really wanting to distance yourself from what's going on in the body and think spiritually. So don't even call it my such and such. You can say this temporary cancer, knowing, because then the mindset is, it's not staying, because God has already healed me. You're changing your thinking about it. So it sounds like a, maybe a picky thing, but like I said, there's a mindset connected. So I would suggest making that change. You don't want to own it, you want to release it. You don't want to own these things, because it's all of the devil. It all has its root in the demonic realm in the fall, in the curse. Our daughter was with a couple of ladies, and the one was saying how her son has juvenile arthritis, and he goes around and speaks to a lot of different groups. And the other lady responded and said, how wonderful that he has something to claim ownership of and to speak publicly about. Don't own the sickness. Unless you really want to keep it, don't own it. Release it. Don't own it. (laughs) So also with the mindset when too often people are saying, well, God's sovereign, 
It, they also think that all these different deaths that are taking place prematurely, God's sovereign. But we know from Scripture that our mouth plays a big role even in the length of our lives. And I know in my book alone, which of course isn't the whole Bible, I have at least 25 verses that are showing how our mouths make a difference in the length of our lives, that we're making a choice. And I'll read just a couple of them. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 10. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of your life shall be many. So if you choose not to receive his sayings, you're making that choice. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10, talking about the Israelites as they wandered through the desert. Neither murmur, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Murmuring can affect the length of your life. Your words are affecting the length of your life. What you speak determines the length of your days. My own mother, who was sadly a conduit, so she was talking all the time. She loved to talk about it. If you called her on the phone, hi, how are you doing? She'd go through her list of how she was not doing well. And she had something going on. She would fall asleep standing up. She'd get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and walk a few steps, fall asleep. Then wake up, walk a few more steps, fall asleep. Or she'd be cooking dinner and wake up and what she was cooking in front of her is just burning on the stove. So she went into the doctor who knew her condition, that she, was, she liked sickness too much because it brought attention. And he said it could be this kind of cancer, this kind, this kind, or this kind. And my mother tuned out, not out of faith, but out of fear. She said, I am not doing cancer. So she went home, called all the family members, and said, goodbye, I will not see you in the morning. I am not going to do cancer. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Three days later, the doctor called and said, it's just low thyroid, we'll give you some medication, you'll be fine. But my mother had set in her thoughts, in her expectation, in her mouth, that she was done. And she died just a few days after that of nothing but the words of her mouth. When God says death and life are in the power of the tongue, we need to take that seriously. We quote that, we think, but we don't really listen and think about what that's saying. It's huge. My mother's own brother said from the time he was little, I will not live to see my 35th birthday. He didn't. He died two weeks before. Same story, death and life in the power of the tongue. This is big. So we need to know, it says in Proverbs 13, verse 3, he who guards his mouth preserves his life. See, when we're speaking the sickness, we're doing the opposite. But he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. So we need to be careful what we're speaking. We know from Job twenty-two twenty-eight, you decree a thing and it will be established unto you. So I would suggest that you go home, talk to God, what have I been decreeing that I really don't want to see in my life or in the life of my family or my church or my city or my country? What have I been decreeing? And then repent and just ask God to, like I said, I don't have scripture, but (laughs) cancel out that, that power. Take your authority now and make those good confessions. Get that turned around so that now you're agreeing with God. Decree the right things. Our daughter joined the army 
and shortly afterwards, she, they found that she had cancer. So she called and said, Mom, they found cancer in my body. And knowing the power of our words and knowing our daughter, who is a big talker, and we call everyone that she knew and tell them, I said, don't tell a single soul. And I prayed with her. Well, two weeks later, she was at the doctor, and they were taking some tests and exams, and he said, this is really odd. You need to take such and such a test. And she said, well, they just did that. He said, oh, what were the results? And she said, they were negative. So he said, well, but then we have to run this test. And she said, they just did. It was negative. And the doctor said, I don't understand. I know you had cancer. It was evident we could see you had cancer, and now you don't have any cancer. But see, I am fully convinced, had she put that into her mouth and been telling everyone that she knew over and over that she would have been decreeing it. She's hearing it with her own ears over and over and over. I have cancer. I have. And it wouldn't have been good. I'm positive she would have gone a whole different path. But thankfully, she amazingly zipped the lip. And she was able to walk out the the health, the healing, receive the healing. So again, the words you speak are going to determine the path that your life takes. So here again, what are you feeding on? The internet, the television, things you shouldn't, movies you shouldn't watch. The word of God that's alive and powerful and that is truly going to change you and get that mind renewed. So more and more of the darkness, we showed pictures this morning, more and more of the world's way of thinking is being pushed aside as more and more of the light and truth of God gets in. It is a spiritual law that God has to allow to come to pass what you're decreeing. In the same way, there's a natural law that if you drop something, it's going downward. It's not going to go upward. You decree things, and God has to allow them to come to pass, even if it wouldn't be his choice. That's why we watch what we're decreeing. Matthew 15, verse 11. Not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth This defiles or pollutes a man. So just listen to what you're saying. Is this really what I want to decree and declare over my life or this person's life? And just check yourself before you speak. We're supposed to be quick to hear and slow to speak. (laughs) And consider, do I really want this to come to pass? And that's even if we're giving a warning, like to a child, don't go out in the street, you're going to get hit by a car. Is that what you want to decree? Or just, let's stay on the sidewalk here. We have to consider what we're saying. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your seed may live. We're given a choice. And that's why we've gotten really sloppy. Probably all generations all around the world have. But we've just gotten sloppy, and we need to kind of get things tightened up more in in line with God's will. Proverbs 6, verse 2, you are snared by the words of your mouth. We're entrapping ourselves too often. Proverbs 15, verse 4, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Or another version says, speech that heals is like a life-giving tree. Proverbs 18, verse 7, the mouth of a fool is his ruin, and his lips are a snare for his life. And Proverbs 12, verse 18, Speaking recklessly is like the thrust of a sword, but the words of the wise bring healing. 
So we're wise in here, right? <laughs> Your tongue is a, k- a key to a fulfilled life. James chapter 3, verse 4. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they're turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Your tongue is a rudder to your life. I was in the Philippines. We were in outriggers, and there was this outrigger that had four stories to it, and the pilot was at the very top and had a bamboo pole that went all the way down through all the layers. And we were going from the big island out to a small island, and I could see that we would drift off course, and when we'd reach a certain point, he would adjust the rudder, this bamboo pole, and we would get back on course. That's what we need to do. If we've gotten off course, make the adjustment to the rudder and get back on course. Because if this pilot had not made the adjustment, we would have just kept sailing off into the ocean and be lost. And that's where a lot of people feel like they are. God, where are you? What's happening? Why aren't you helping me? They feel like they're out in that ocean. But the adjustment needs to be made to the rudder. Start declaring the things of God and decreeing them over your life. Because your tongue is that rudder. And then, like I said, believe what you're saying. Because if a person says, my arm really hurts, they say it because they believe it. So stop yourself and think, now wait, what do I really choose to believe? God's word said that I'm already healed. It's part of my salvation gift, and I'm already healed. And so then you can put that in your mouth instead and agree with God. So believe it, believe it, believe it. And don't, I'm sure no one here does, but I hear a lot of times, it's flu season, I'll get the flu. They're decreeing it, they're declaring it, they're telling the enemy, I'm ready. They're agreeing with him instead of with God. And when you're thinking the problem and the symptoms, you're undermining your faith. Instead, you want to be building up your faith, strengthening your faith. What has God said? Stir that up. Get the scriptures. That's what this is for. Get the scriptures so that you can just go through. This is what God said. This is what I'm in agreement with. And get the right things coming out of your mouth so that you're in agreement with God and then God has something to work with. When you say, the sickness will not come near me, like, I don't know if you know the story of John G. Lake. He was... He was in Africa at the time of the bubonic plague, and he was helping the people, and he was especially dealing with those who had already died. And the virus was very, very strong. It would come up out of their lungs, really gross. But he was dealing with these people, and it was extremely contagious. But he said that no germ would attach itself to his body because the Spirit of God would kill it. And so he, as a single person, was able to work with these people without getting sick himself. But that's the mindset we need. That is using the spiritual mind. Thinking like God, agreeing with God. So even if you're at work and everyone around you is coughing and sneezing or throwing up or whatever, you can have that same mindset of, this will not come near me. Because the Spirit of God on the inside of me will kill it. It's a shifting of our mindset. And we stress this a lot in the first session, healing is spiritual, so we go to God first. It says in Colossians 3.2, set your minds and keep them set on things above. Keep thinking of what God has said. 
God's higher. God's so much greater than all the things we experience here on this earth. We've been redeemed from the curse. We're in him. We're set free. We're seated in heavenly places. We are to live as he does and talk to things down here from our heavenly position and not just always be suffering and trying to get all the junk off of us, crying out to God. Take that heavenly position because your spirit is not limited to your physical body. You can just be right there in the Father's face. Then you're resting, you're hearing him. That's where we need to be. So set your mind on things above and decide what it is you believe and then believe it with all your heart. And if it's kind of a new thought, a new thing, like I said, get in the word, get that stirred up, get that cemented so that you're not casting away your confidence because it has great recompense and reward. We want to build up that confidence in what God has said, what his word has said. And then you can just command your body to line up. We have spiritual weapons. Your mouth is one of your big spiritual weapons. And then use that weapon against the enemy or against the works of the enemy. I read this article um, in the Rama magazine, and it was about a little four-year-old that had warts that she was speaking to that had to fall off. And I liked her comment because one day they were gone and she said to her mom, my warps found out they're healed. Let your body find out it's healed because Jesus already healed us. Instead of being so focused on the problem, focus on God. So don't be concerned what circumstances are telling you. Know what God has said. Think it. Get really convinced. Speak it out with conviction and watch God work. Things will change. Amen? Lord, thank you so much for your word that you make it clear. And Lord, I myself ask forgiveness where I've forgotten that, spoken the wrong things, talked the problem. Lord, I ask that you remind every single one of us to make us more aware, to let us know where our thoughts are, where our words are, because so often we're just talking, don't even know what we're really doing. So I ask that you make us more aware of the words that we are speaking so that when we speak, the words are in agreement with you. No matter what circumstances might look like, it could be a financial lack or a relationship issue, that we are calling forth the way you would see it, the way it's supposed to be, so things line up with your will and your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're in us to help us. In Jesus' name, amen.